0: It is midday here on this Thursday, the 23rd of September, first full day of fall. Tyler Cavalli with you, glad to be a part of your day, wherever you may be listening. It is going to be a warmer one, likely the warmest day of the week so far. We'll get more on that coming up in our regional ag weather forecasts with Paul Perkins in about 15 minutes. Jason is in as we will... Talk about the Husker W last night for the Husker volleyball team ending their three-game losing streak. That's a preview in sports. And Bob Rogan uh, will hopefully tell us some good news in terms of the stocks. Sounds like more green on the screen once again. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Susan, do you happen to be at home for the first time in a year today? (laughs) Yep, I'm at home today. How does that feel?
1: Um, The dogs won't leave my side.
0: Well, I believe that. They're, they're trying to take advantage before you take off the next couple hours, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I'm sure, yep.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh, Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday today?
1: Well, Alex is going to kick everything off here at 1219 as it's our Angler journey. She talks with Angler Director Tom Field about the early beginnings of what happened in the Angler program. Then I'll step in at 1245 from the Sand Hills Cattle Convention earlier this week. I talked with Greg Arndt. He is with Valentine Livestock as he talks about the discussion they, not only him, but other sale barns have been having with cattle producers about getting those calves ready to come to market later this year. And then wrapping it up at 117, Chabella will be talking about the USDA grants and Hay Springs.
0: Okay, good stuff. Hey, by the way, before I let you go, is harvest happening in your neck of the woods out east?
1: no nothing yet okay well i shouldn't say that obviously they've been chopping for silage for the dairy and stuff like that but otherwise nothing's moving still a little too wet in spots
0: okay all right you guys have been getting some good rain this year so that might be a little bit a couple weeks off yet so
1: yeah their corn was coming in at like 26 27 in a few Mm -hmm. places Mm -hmm.
0: okay all right well we'll look forward to updates on that thank you very much we'll talk to you uh, down the road sounds good All right, let's catch up with our own uh, Jason Jorgensen. And Jason, the Husker volleyball team, ended a losing streak last night. They
2: did. Uh, They won for the first time in four matches. It wasn't a sweep last night. Coach Cook made some changes. Uh, benched a couple of his stars, but Nebraska was able to hold off Northwestern. They won at four. We'll get his take on that. Also speaking of volleyball, coming up we will hear from Brady native Tara Callahan, who has had quite the career mm. at Concordia. Uh, this week she was named the GPAC Setter of the Week again for the eighth time yeah. in her career. She has more than 4,000 career assists Talk about a small-town kid who's made it big. Hopefully she has a built a, a big enough mantle for all yeah. the awards as she has gone. She has been terrific uh, in her career. Yeah, she's one of the best they've had there at Concordia. We will get her thoughts about that. Very humble, very humble person, too. Mm-hmm. All the good ones usually are. <laughs> that's so right. We'll hear from Tara. That's a, that's a neat story when it comes to that. And uh, the Tri-City Storm begins right. its season in two hours out in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, hopefully they get up to a good start. Okay, very good. Speaking of humble,
0: uh, here's Bob Brogan. How are the stocks looking so far? Everything's up.
3: <laughs> Everything is looking up. Stocks rising broadly and trading on Wall Street. And uh, that's going to possibly erase losses for the week for most of the major indexes. Also, the number of Americans applying for unemployment it rose last week for a second straight week. And uh, also, the... Uh, Environmental Protection Agency, sharply limiting domestic production and use of highly potent greenhouse gases commonly used in refrigerators and air conditioners. So we'll stay hmm. tuned on that.
0: All right. Sounds good. A lot of great info coming your way. Anna, thanks. It's time for regional ag weather updates, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins now joining us in the studio. And already some areas probably a little warmer now than they were over the last couple of days.
4: (laughs) Yeah, some uh, nice temperatures, especially from about the southern panhandle into northeast Colorado and that very northwest corner of Kansas. Temperatures right now 75 to 80, including up to 81 right now at Ray, Colorado. This time of year, that dry air that we do have in place, really warms up quickly, and then cools off quickly, kind of like when you're in the desert, because mm-hmm. right now most of us with dew points on into the 40s, so very comfortable mm-hmm. uh, right now, uh, dew points in the low to mid-40s. Most of us with temperatures right now in the upper 60s to the low 70s, but once again, we do have those temperatures as warm as close to around 80 in northeast Colorado in the very northwest corner of Kansas, also up to 79 currently in north central Kansas and Smith Center.
0: Two mornings ago, we had frost for the first time in a long time here in Nebraska. What about this morning? Did anybody report any frost?
4: No, not as chilly this morning. Uh, most of us uh, as cool as the upper thirties to the mid forties, and most of us right in those mid to upper forties for overnight lows. So, uh, no long no frost on the pumpkin this morning. Hey,
0: good. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not asking for it. I'm glad to hear that's a great report. I'm sure most people are not wanting the frost this early in September. Uh, but overall today, just get out and enjoy, or just enjoy being outside because it's going to be one of the warmest ones we have.
4: Yeah, so another warm day across the area, uh, warmer than what we had yesterday, pretty much wall-to-wall sunshine, border-to-border in both Nebraska and Kansas, maybe a few fair weather clouds here and there, but otherwise, lots of sunshine, and once again, those temperatures currently mostly in the upper 60s to the low 70s, just ahead of a cold front today, this first full day of fall, very nice, sunny skies, temperatures about 5 to 10 degrees warmer than usual. Even warmer temperatures on the way by the weekend with low pressure trough from west central Nebraska to western Kansas. The south winds may be a bit breezy across the central and east. Fire weather concerns are elevated in western drier areas just to the west of Highway 83. So west central to western Nebraska, northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. Some elevated fire weather concerns, but no red flag warnings in effect. Only a few sprinkles and a slight increase in cloud cover will occur with the moisture-starved passage of a cold front later tonight into early tomorrow. For tomorrow, high pressure builds in behind that front for increasing sunshine. Slightly cooler than normal temperatures for tomorrow and tomorrow night. Actually going to be the coolest of our next seven days. A ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains for Sunday through Tuesday. Continuing that trend of dry weather, temperatures warming into the mid-80s to the low-90s. By late next week, though, there are hints of slightly cooler temperatures and a better chance of rain. For the long-term forecast, though, warmer than normal temperatures remain very Very likely for Tuesday through the first six days of October for Nebraska and Kansas. In a change, slightly above normal rainfall now predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through October 6th. Checking the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped one percentage point to 15% drought-free. There continues to be no dryness issues in a triangle-shaped area from Kearney down to Cambridge and east to Red Cloud and in much of eastern Nebraska. Most of the state of Nebraska remains abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe drought with some extreme drought is found from Hay Center to McCook and Bankman and in much of the Panhandle and from O'Neill to the South Dakota border. Kansas continues to fare much better than nebraska kansas dropping four percentage points to sixty percent drought-free small areas of abnormal dryness remain in northern and western parts of kansas along with locations right along the oklahoma border the driest areas of kansas in the northwest corner from rollins to eastern cheyenne county where severe drought continues key weather factors driving the markets include favorable harvest weather in the west and good planning weather in brazil Midwest harvest conditions are improving after pockets of moderate to heavy rain likely delayed the progress of harvest earlier this week, especially in the eastern Midwest. Most of the Midwest will be drier and warmer starting this weekend, but eastern areas may still have some isolated rain next week. From the northern to the southern plains, weather will be drier and warmer as the ridge of high pressure develops. Soil moisture continues to be somewhat low for much of the southern plains with rain needed for emerging winter wheat. Some rain is a possibility the mid to late part of next week. Southern Brazil seeing some beneficial rain for winter wheat, corn and soybean planting and establishment. Central Brazil's wet season that is delayed may arrive this weekend into next week with some beneficial rain, possibly leading to some significant planting if rain is widespread enough
0: all right so it is a little dry out there uh, and I I suppose it is important to note that because it has been dry uh, and I know you want harvest to happen but Uh, Just be mindful that uh, fires could be an issue as well.
4: Yeah, those crops starting to dry out. Of course, uh, some grass is starting to dry out. Luckily, most areas in central and eastern areas, uh, not too dry. A lot of things pretty green as far as the grass lines go.
0: Okay. So by this weekend, though, we should see some of those warmer temperatures, probably by Sunday, I would think.
4: Yes, kind of Saturday, a transition day, slightly above normal on that day with some highs in the upper 70s to low 80s, kind of like what we're going to see today. But really warming up Sunday into Tuesday, Mm. But there are some signs of a cool down by Wednesday. A slight cool down, maybe a little bit of rain by Wednesday. Okay. All right. Sounds good. For a full forecast, where can somebody find that? Leatherpage, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul.
5: .com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you.
6: And at every turn I was reminded, you're not smart enough to do this alone. So don't try. Trust open the table up, get people in here, let's build this thing, we can do this.
5: Thanks so much for joining. The Angler program has been around for more than a decade now, but the program got its start from one generous donation from Nebraska native Paul Angler. Emily Frenzen is the lead storyteller for the Angler
7: program. Paul was born in Stewart, Nebraska in 1929. At age nine, he began working at his father's gas station for 50 cents a day. At age 12, he bought and managed his first cattle herd of 100 head. Age 12, that's wild. He enrolled at the University of Nebraska and used the proceeds of his first cattle sales to fund his education. He studied agriculture and graduated in 1951, and then he began his career as an ag teacher before moving on to purchasing cattle, building feedlots, and beginning what is famously known as Cactus Feeders. Paul has been active with the National Cowboy Hall of Fame and also received the Henry Beechel Distinguished Alumni Award at the University of Nebraska and has been inducted into the Cattle Feeders Hall of Fame, Meat Industry Hall of Fame, and is currently chairman of the Board of Cactus Feeders, which he founded in 1975. Shortly after the Angler program got started, Tom
5: Field was hired as the director for the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program.
6: We were a club at the beginning and and we figured out very quickly that was not what we wanted to be. And nothing wrong with student organizations and clubs, but that's not wasn't the right model for us. And it was literally what was great about it is we were so small and nobody and we weren't in a we weren't in an academic department, so there was no faculty meetings. It was just the original few people, right? And at first it was just me. And I would ask people, right? And I would just I would throw spaghetti against the wall and, and see if people like, were revolted by it. We just, we would try things. And if it didn't work, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, that didn't work. Put it out of its misery or rebuild it and do it again. And we kept asking students to be involved in helping us build these models.
5: And Tom said the student involvement in the Angler program helps fuel his why.
6: My why is I think I'm giving back. But the second thing is I just I believe so deeply what we're capable of. We were given this spark and we can either choose to to fuel it or we can choose to suppress it. And I've been so blessed to have so many people who wanted the fuel who wanted to feed that spark one of the the great stories is so this is from uh, uh, Lou young who 's the wrote for business Week. Probably the most important management fundamental that is being ignored today is staying close to the customer to satisfy his or her needs and anticipate their wants in too many companies, the customer has become a bloody nuisance whose unpredictable behavior damages carefully made strategic plans whose activities mess up computer operations and who stubbornly insists the purchase product should work. And as an educator, I'd watched students be treated like those customers. And it wasn't that people were bad, it just just the, the reward system. It wasn't about that. And so when we changed, you know, that became a why for me, is, is I wanted to be part of something that puts students and their potential at the center.
5: You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu.
8: Zero 1.
0: It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is joining us in the studio, and
2: good to see Nebraska volleyball get back in the wind column. Yeah, Coach Cook, he changed up the lineup a little bit. They won in four sets last night over Northwestern. Huskers had dropped three in a row, and Coach Cook says he was just glad to see Nebraska pull it out.
6: That was a good rebound for us in Game 4, and, you know, we turned it on, had a couple great runs there with Maddie Servin and Ani servant So... Uh, like I said I told the team any win on the road in
2: the Big Ten is a great win so um, we'll take it Maddie Kubik powered her way to a season best 19 kills she also had 9 digs a solo block and an ace the Huskers are now 7-3 and three. they take on Iowa on Saturday afternoon they have never lost to the Hawkeyes in volleyball by the way catch that match over on Cami Country. The awards and milestones continue to add up for Concordia setter Tara Callahan of Brady. This week, for the eighth time in her career, she was named the GPAC Setter of the Week, and she says choosing to play for the Bulldogs was a great decision. Oh,
9: absolutely. Um, considering I chose to stay next year, Um <laughs> I definitely believe that I was meant to end up here and meet everyone that I have so far. Um, I've absolutely loved it.
2: Callahan has helped the Bulldogs to a top 25 ranking in a nine and a 9-5 and record. Recently, she moved past 4,000 career assists and is just the third player in school history to go over that mark. She credits her teammates for the success she's had in Seward. Yeah,
9: I am really proud of that. and. Uh, it wouldn't be possible, I guess, if um, I didn't have such a great team surrounding me. Like, I'm not the one that gets the kills um, or receives. I'm just kind of like the middle man between the two. And if I didn't have great teammates surrounding me on both sides, um, it wouldn't be possible, and I wouldn't be getting those
2: awards. So I'm just grateful for them. She's a great story. She earned first-team all, Pack and NAIA. Honorable mention, All-American honors in each of the past two seasons, and certainly is on that path again. Well, and you know, they wouldn't be getting to the national tournaments
0: without her, you know, last year, and they're playing well this season as well. So
2: she certainly has helped, tra- you know, kind of traject that program in the right direction. Small town kid has done well at the collegiate level, and the Tri City Storm opens up regular season play this afternoon against the Dubuque Fighting Saints in the team's opening game at the Fall Classic just outside of Pittsburgh. Puck is scheduled to drop in about an hour. The Storm they were 2-3-0-0 in preseason play. Of course, they're coming off a year in which they captured their fifth regular season Western Conference championship. We should have pulled Paul Packin, or not Paul 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 Perkins, Perkins. in here to give us a. Previous since he is a PA guy mm-hmm. of the Tri City Storm. It's
0: not too late. It's not too late. Maybe <laughs> yeah. tomorrow we'll bring him in. I am still baffled that Nebraska volleyball had never lost to Iowa. Never.
2: Nope. They haven't.
0: They fared right. well, better
2: in volleyball than football.
0: If they do happen to lose on a Saturday, you know who to uh, blame it on. Hey,
2: I'm just yep. here with the stats. Broadcaster Jinx. <laughs> Thank you very you much. Bet.
0: This is Greg Sharp. Join us this weekend from East Lansing, Michigan, as the Huskers return to Big Ten play at Michigan State. Listen here on your 50,000-watt voice of Nebraska football, KRVN. It is time for Midday News. News director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And Dave, we're following up on a crash in uh, east-central Nebraska, if you will, from yes, this morning.
8: you bet. Uh, about mid-morning today, the uh, Nebraska State Patrol and Nebraska Department of Transportation closed, bound, uh, closed down the westbound lanes of Interstate 80 at Aurora uh, because of a multiple vehicle accident. And we're learning that it involves several cars and maybe even a semi-truck involved with it. And it was only closed for about an hour as they cleared things out there. So, uh, thankful for that. We haven't heard any more details of what took place on that uh, multiple vehicle crash uh, west of Aurora. But it is open now, from what we understand. Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Over 35 towns and 570 vendors are on the list for the 18th anniversary of the Nebraska Junk Jaunt. Running September 24th through the 26th, Diane Weiberg with the Nebraska Junk Jaunt talks about this year's 350-mile route.
9: Uh, the route follows the Loop River Scenic Byway as well as the Sandhills Journey National Scenic Byway. It goes along Highways 11, 91, and 2, so it starts like in Wood River, goes up through Carroll, Danabrog, goes on up around Burwell, Halsey, Dunning, and then back down through on Highway 2 and catches Burwell and Ravenna back into Grand Island.
10: Well,
8: shopper guides that includes pages for each town. Note the list of vendors can be found at pump and pantry stores, along with Trotter's Woe & Go, and also some local businesses. There's also a digital version on junkjaunt.com. Fishing at Lake Ogallala will not be available for the rest of the year. That will allow the Nebraska Public Power District to do maintenance work on the gates of the Keystone Diversion Dam located next to the lake. Water levels in Lake Ogallala are being lowered with a temporary dam being installed at the lake in front of MPPD's Canal Diversion Gates and the South River Gates. The temporary dam will allow workers to undertake the maintenance task in dry conditions. Barriers will be installed around the diversion gates, restricting public access for the remainder of the year. And in Boston, the City Council there has voted unanimously to approve an ordinance that addresses climate change by requiring all buildings larger than 20,000 square feet to eliminate carbon emissions by the year 2050. Acting Mayor Kim Janey intends to sign the proposal. Councilor Matt Malleys was the driving force behind the measure. He said the ordinance sets aggressive but achievable goals. It applies to about 3,500 commercial and residential buildings. A group that represents developers and builders worked with the city on the measure. And, of course, environmental groups welcomed the ordinance as well. Well, that's a check on the latest of news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network.
1: It's that time of year where cows and calves are going their separate ways and you're getting calves prepped to head maybe to the sale barn or to a local feedlot. Well, the question is, what are you doing to prep those animals for sale? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During this week's Sand Hills Cattle Association's annual convention and trade show, that topic came up. Afterwards, I spoke with one of the speakers, Greg Arndt. Greg is with Valentine Livestock in Valentine, Nebraska, as we talked about prepping calves before they hit the sale ring. Now, what are you guys looking for when these calves come to bar- the barn? I mean, calves that have just been taken off mama, or are they being processed a little bit? What's the thing that the buyers are telling you they want to see in calves?
11: Well, um, between Mark Miles and I, who was on the panel, when we... Uh, like for this time of the year, Susan, when we have calves available at the end of September, and then the fact that we're in a drought, we're selling these calves earlier. But those calves that weigh like into six hundred and fifty pounds, uh, they need to have two rounds of shots. Uh, we'd like to, you know, ideally, you like to have load lots, but sometimes you've got producers that don't have load lots, so you, you so you try to match them up. So you want to match up uh, six weight calves with six weight calves. And you want them vaccinated somewhat the same. And so you try to get a protocol out there to everybody. And we've done this now for 25 years to have this established protocol so that uh, the calf seller, the producer, can understand it. As we get farther into the fall, um, we we have different uh Maybe weights of calves, so we like we'll sell like four weight, five weight heifer calves, and 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 those people that want to buy those still want a health protocol that's still similar they they need two rounds of shots minimum and that two rounds mean seven-way with haemophilus as well as pastoral IBR PI 3 brsv which is like five-way uh, uh shot that uh, available that many pharmaceutical companies sell so that becomes paramount and so we get down to weaning time maybe by the end of october or november we'll start selling wean calves and then that health protocol still present but then like mark says 45 day wean that's very important it's really hard for some individuals to get done but ideally that's the best route to
1: take so all this work that they're doing before they even get on the trailer is really enhancing their value of those calves before they hit the sale barn
11: as we have grown over the last 25 years to understand what helps uh, make that customer uh, feel co- more comfortable with buying a calf in Valentine, for example, he is wanting a 45 day wean calf that has two rounds of shots, that looks healthy, that has good hair on him in November, December, and and looks like he's been healthy almost all of his life. So he came from an operation that cared for the mama cow cared for her the right way gave her proper nutrition did did some integral things in the cow calf sector that's you know besides bull power you know there's just those things that are really important because you want that calf to grow and 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 do well
1: you got a few chuckles in the audience when you talked about feet and disposition
11: of those mama cows, really setting the trend for these calves as well. Yes, that's that's become, it wasn't a big deal 25 years ago. But today, we have cattle that just have foot issues. And I'm not, I don't know if the nutrition that's behind the cow. Some One day, I had this revelation with some other people that we were talking and we did, was it, was distiller something to enhance bad feet? I don't know, but but I I think the, the genetic inputs and, and certain bulls had it, and they get they get used heavily in our industry, and so consequently, and disposition has our age of our rancher and age of our cattle feeder has increased to what ten years average in t- in ten years almost almost every year. So disposition's more important because guess what when you're 60 you're not as fast as you were you when you were 40 and so you better disposition becomes and also disposition is is feed conversion uh, those cattle that are better easier to handle are better feed converters
1: with your proximity to south dakota and and some of these western cattle are you seeing more herd liquidation because of of the dryness
11: well, we're gonna, uh, right now with the with the current situation of drought and shortage of grass and winter grazing and, and hay bales costing uh, 150 to $200 a ton. So we are guess, we're we're gonna trim herds. We're gonna liquidate some cows. And we're either gonna sell our heifer calves this fall, which I think it's a prime opportunity for those people out there that are backgrounders and growers uh, we're, you're going to see more heifer calves at Valentine Livestock in October and November than we normally have.
1: Anything else you'd like to add?
11: Well, I uh, haven't seen you forever. And and Susan Littlefield, uh, God bless you for being an enthusiastic supporter of agriculture. Thank you very much.
1: That was my conversation with Greg Arnt. Again, Greg is with Valentine Livestock Market in Valentine. He was one of the morning speakers during the Sandhills Cattle Association's convention that took place earlier this week in Valentine. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
3: Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan with the Business Report. The S&P 500 added 1.2% led by gains in banks and technology companies. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 1.3% and the NASDAQ rose 1%. Dow Component Salesforce.com was up 4.9% after raising its sales forecast for the year. Darden Restaurants, which owns Olive Garden, jumped 8.3 percent after delivering strong quarterly results. The number of Americans applying for unemployment aid rose last week for a second straight week to 351,000. An increase of 16,000 from the previous week, it's a sign that the Delta variant of the coronavirus may be disrupting the job market's recovery, at least temporarily. Applications for unemployment aid have tumbled since topping 900,000 early this year, reflecting the economy's reopening after the pandemic recession. The Environmental Protection Agency is sharply limiting domestic production and use of highly potent greenhouse gases. Commonly used in refrigerators and air conditioners, the new rule on hydrofluorocarbons is intended to decrease U.S. production and use of those gases by 85% over the next 15 years as part of a global phase-out designed to slow global warming. University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Bureau of Business Research says the leading economic indicator for the state did a reversal for the month of August. Director and economist Eric Thompson says after a small decline of two-tenths of a percent in July, the indicator rose nearly eight-tenths of a percent last month. The
8: leading indicator is designed to predict economic activity six months into the future. So this moderate increase suggests that the Nebraska economy will grow at a moderate pace during the first quarter of 2022.
3: For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob.
10: In Madrid. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced on September 9th the investment of $464 million to build or improve renewable energy infrastructure to help rural communities, agricultural producers, and businesses lower their energy costs. On a press conference call recently, Secretary of Ag Tom Vilsack noted the investment is distributed through two different programs.
3: The first program uh, is the Renewable Energy for America program. Under this program, uh, roughly $128 million in low-cost loans and grants uh, that will be funding renewable energy projects and energy efficiency projects uh, on the farm. The $128 million that's being uh, provided today represents 12 loans of uh, $121.2 million and 411 grants uh, totaling a little over uh, $7.4 million.
10: Among those receiving a REAP grant is the Farm to Family Cooperative grocery store in Springs. Jessica Haysacker, president of the board of directors for the cooperative, says when they bought the building for the grocery store, the coolers were 70 to 80 years old.
9: So we knew we needed coolers that were going to be more cost-effective. And I learned through this grant because we actually got another grant through the USDA Rural Business Development Grant, which allowed us to purchase the building. And then um, this grant allowed us to do some necessary updates. And we actually did purchase the deli counter um, cooler that we use for all of our deli meats and salads. And then our produce cooler we purchased using the energy efficient grant.
10: Prior to opening the grocery store, Hay Springs was considered a food desert.
9: You know, our community had to drive round trip 40 miles to get to a big box discount store in order to get any type of food items. And, um, you know, we have a very elderly population. Um, We do have a, a rather large low income population as well. And um, you know, so not having access to any type of fresh veggies or um, healthy eating options, um, you know our community was kind of left with uh, not a lot of great alternatives and you know our our center has always been you know love of community, love of our hay springs community, and so we want to do what we can to support them.
10: Haysecker says the grocery store project is almost completely grant funded
9: like I said earlier, the World Business Development Grant, which allowed us to purchase the building, to do renovations um, and upgrades. And then this, you know, particular grant allowed us to get new coolers. And without that, you know, I don't think this project would have been possible. Um, You know, I think grants for small businesses, rural communities, like I really would love to see more of them. And the more that I've kind of gotten involved in this, I'm learning about more and more opportunities. And if you take the time to do the work, it is hard work. It isn't easy to get a, a grant like this. But if you do take the time, it's very well worth it. The
10: Farm to Family Cooperative Grocery Store's new system is expected to save the company more than 2250 in electrical costs per year. In Nebraska, a total of 76950 was awarded in grants. Going to FTS Enterprises, Inc. in Juanita... Webster Well Inc. in North Bend, Buell Properties LLC in Hickman, Charles Myrose in Harrington, James Bjorkland in Greeley, Jansen Cool Automotive LLC in North Platte, Wendt Life Homemade in Genoa, and Sharon Wilkinson in Elgin. For more information on REAP or other grants, visit usda.gov. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Goose.
12: Clay on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in now on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, coming into the close here, really pretty strong across the board, a lot of green on the screen, but in particular, it was oats yesterday, so if oats knows, they've passed it on to the wheat market, as it's up well today as well. Really, Chicago, Kansas City, that spread is very flat. Do you take that as a positive or a negative sign to the market?
13: Well, I think we're seeing fun money blow back into the markets here. Uh, we've seen both December contracts uh, rally over the deferred Julys in, uh, in in both wheat contracts. in Minneapolis really surged again back above nine nine fifteen for a period of time today. So, at corn at some point should catch up. Um, you know, there's there's talk today uh, about energy prices, uh, specifically like you know coal power fuel in New Europe. Different things are, are just on fire and. I think, uh, you know, corn and beans are digesting some supply here. It's the, maybe the simplest way I could put it. I don't see a lot of downside, you know, below where we just were. And that's potentially maybe closer to November when, you know, there's a lot more supply available and if there's still nowhere for it to go, you know, but basis seems strong and the talk this way in, in Illinois is a little bit of a subtrend, uh, yield, a little disappointment for folks up here.
12: So as they're going along, do they expect then with a little bit of sub-trend yield to have actually a pretty quick harvest to try and give us some indication, maybe some of these other areas like Missouri that are harvesting quite quickly, if they're also experiencing subpar yields?
13: Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on that. Uh, as far as what I hear, I think that, you know, the estimates were that the areas out east where were going to be the best and it was going to carry the crop, you know don't forget that, you know, what happened in Minnesota was damaging and, you know, a lot of that's been digested as well. So, I mean, I hate to go to bed bullish all the time. I just think it's price prices relative to what we've seen in wheat market, like oats being up where it is. Um, and then, you know, fuel prices really staying strong. So, you know, yesterday's announcement for biofuels reductions was a m- misleading headline because in reality, all they're doing is lowering the mandate. They're still being, still going to be used. And, uh, Honestly, it's probably going to be imported from somewhere if it doesn't get used here.
12: We're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Of course, you can always learn more when you check out their website. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com, the website to visit. Do remember, though, the trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. If you'd like to listen to John's commentary once again, he's a podcast each and every afternoon at ruralradionetwork.com. Just click on our daily market commentary. Again, coming in the close, grains back in the green
0: thank you clay that'll wrap up midday here on this thursday missed anything i want to go back and catch any of our segments catch the midday podcast that will be available later this afternoon at krvn.com